Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in our life, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and some fun and joy in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on our show, we have the fabulous Pam Russell. And Pam is president and CEO of Proforma Specialty Marketing in Dallas, Texas. She spent almost 20 years in a successful sales career in the promotional products and printing industry. In 2012, she founded Pam Russell LLC, a sales training, coaching, and speaking business. Now, Pam has a passion for helping rookie salespeople and entrepreneurs master the business of selling so they don't struggle like she did in the beginning. Now you might wonder what this all has to do with life after death, and we'll find out. But Pam had a 10-year journey through grief that came to an end in October of last year, and now has added an inspirational piece to her business. And as a result of her transition through grief, she is currently working on merging her two businesses under one umbrella that will include a third piece, which is inspirational speaking and purpose strategy. And this new business will be launched late this year. Pam believes that you can find your purpose through your pain. Let me say that again. You can find your purpose through your pain. She is a co-host of the Offbeat Business Show and co-editor-in-chief of the Offbeat Business Magazine. Pam is a single mom, a dog lover, a native Texan, and a fan of positivity and humor. We like her already. And she's a passionate volunteer in the memory care unit of a local nursing home. So Pam Russell, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. I'm thrilled to have you. And I just was smiling, obviously, when I read your bio just now. You're a cool lady. You really Thank are. Thank you very much. So there you are in Texas. Yes. Born yes. and raised. Born and raised. You don't have um, the Texan accent that I hear quite regularly. People tell me that a lot. They tell me that. I'll say y'all, so you'll hear it. Um, but <laughs> um, people do tell me that I don't sound like I'm from Texas. Well, I, I live in Massachusetts, and I don't say pock the car either. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wouldn't think that you lived in Massachusetts either, uh, so that's interesting. And I grew up. Um, in Connecticut, and you've mm-hmm. and I've traveled a lot, and you have too. So, anyways, what in the world does everything you have to do here have to do with life after death? I'm reading, and you're you're such big into the marketing and um, yeah. you know your promotional products, and like so many of our guests so far, Pam, mm-hmm. people, and even myself included. I mean, I'm a chef mm-hmm. by trade and a business owner. You know, what the heck are we doing? in this conversation. So tell us a little bit about you and then and maybe what happened that um, led you to a little bit more of a spiritual role in life. Okay. That's a big My question. My journey, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said it's a big question, but um, do yes. your best. Um, my journey through grief and everything started actually 10 years ago in December of this year when my parents died within the same week. Oh, they and did? 
They yes, they died within the same week. Do you mind? If days apart. I, I asked what happened. My mother was a nurse. This is actually a good message for people. Um, my mother was an RN and retired, sort of. She was working two days a week. She had worked the day that she ended up in the hospital, but she had a urinary tract infection that she had been trying to treat herself with old antibiotics. Oh my! Okay. And. Um, so she uh, finally said to my dad, I need to go to the hospital. My blood pressure is like 68 over something crazy mm-hmm. low. And um, took her, and she ended up having um, sepsis or septic shock. A lot of hospitals, doctors will call that blood poisoning. Okay. Um, but basically her urinary tract infection got into her bloodstream. And it's very common. Sepsis is usually not a survivable uh, situation. And um, so she was in the hospital, ICU for a long time in a coma with sepsis and ended up coming out of that, which is a miracle in itself and probably a different discussion maybe, but she was in a rehab center. Blood pressure started dropping during dialysis, took mm-hmm. her to the hospital. And actually she told my sister um, before they left with her to the hospital that she was going to leave our dad and not meaning divorce, but meaning she was done right. um, fighting this. This was about a eight, six, eight week period. And they were both 68 years old. So fairly young, yeah. but she, she's like, I'm going to, I'm leaving. I can't do this. And so when she got to the hospital, sure enough, she passed away. And oh, so sorry. Wow. Oh, you know, losing a parent, you know, every grief, Every grief situation is unique, in my opinion. Yeah. And just like I, I've never lost a child, so I can't, I can imagine what that might feel like. But, um, you know, just like losing a parent is a very unique grief. Right. And so we were all devastated. I have three sisters and a brother and very close family. And so we were all devastated. And... Uh, that was on a Monday, so we're planning the funeral, and my father was devastated. I don't think he sat down that whole week mm. leading up to her funeral. He was just devastated, and um, I was actually telling people that my gut was telling me that he wasn't going to be around long. And um, I told somebody on the way to his house, to their house, on the day of my mother's funeral, which was on Friday. So when I got to the house, my um, Everybody was looking for my dad. He had gone for a walk. My dad didn't go for a walk. He didn't do that. And we went, looked, my sister and I went looking for him. We came back. There was an ambulance in the driveway. My father um, had left to go for this walk and ended up dying in the driveway the morning of my mother's funeral oh. of, of, quote, a heart attack. Um, we, of course, believe that it was grief and his broken heart. Sure. And, you know, timing is um, impeccable. <laughs> um, we took him to the ambulance, took him to the hospital. They announced him gone, you know, pronounced him dead. And we went right from there to the funeral home for our mother's funeral. And 
um, on the way there, and this we can talk about after, but on the way there, there was a ladybug in the suburban that we were in, and mm-hmm. I joked and said, I bet that's mom, just making sure we're all okay. Right. This was in December. You know, in Texas, in December, we don't have ladybugs. Ladybugs, no. Yeah. So anyway, so we went to, everyone was already on their way. People were in town um, for my mother's funeral, so we decided to just go ahead and have they were, my mom was cremated. They wanted to be cremated, and my dad would be cremated. So we were just like, okay, we're just going to stand up in front of everybody and tell them that dad passed away. Oh, you know, I can't even longer. imagine that. You know, it's <sighs> it's it was it was none of us remember anything that day. No, after the, of course not. Um, we don't remember the people eating in our in their home. We don't remember any of that. But no. definitely devastating for sure. And you know that kind of put me in a. The year following their death, I gained 70 pounds. Um, I can relate because I okay. gained everything back after Dad died. Still hadn't haven't taken it off. Yes, still working on that. Yeah. Um, and really stayed in a fog for 10 years that I started to come out of last year. And it was a grief fog. It was, it was a place where I realize now that the fog is lifted, that it was a place where I was living to where their lives no, their deaths, I'm sorry, defined who I was. My parents dying so close together defined who I was, and that's how I lived my life. And now I live my life. Um, now their lives define me, what they brought to my life, the love they gave me, the experiences and the memories. Now those things define my life, and it's a, and it's a much better place to be. Oh, that's goes. that's brilliant. That really is. I, I And I can kind of get it, not even being close yeah. to in your shoes, but... Um, to be a product of the two deaths so fast, and that became your life. It did. It did. Um, so I'm happy to be released from that and, and not in that pit anymore, but it, it certainly has served its purpose in my life with changes in my business and, and you know, experiences. I know some of your guests have talked about experiences with people, you know, their loved ones after they've died. And, right. Um I would love to share one specific oh, for sure that I had that is, is we, very cool. I we'd think. love you to share as many as okay. you want to. Because the thing is, Pam, um, I think we all, not all, but a lot of people have had yes. things happen. And it it helps everybody to hear, first of all, mm-hmm. obviously a big gigantic hug and my condolences for your parents' loss. I can't, you. you know, I had half of that. I had my dad die and that was mm-hmm. devastating. So I can't imagine double I, I can't mm-hmm. and that it does take a long time and everybody grieves at their own rate and yeah. don't make yourself wrong for it so thank you mm-hmm. for also giving us hope that you know it was lifted um, mm-hmm. and and there's something new available to you the way you you know you really can be a product of your parents and look at all the good that you've been given from them and who you are so you're just you're a phenomenal yeah. woman so yeah we would love to hear why you believe we don't die hit it sister okay so, <laughs> so a couple of days after um all of this happened um after their funeral i was home um and i was left my headset my alarm for 5 30 like i always did my alarm went off that morning i was laying on my side in my bed mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I feel something roll over and up against me in my bed. 
and I am single. <laughs> I was single then, and there, there wasn't anybody in my bed. And so I was like, my dad was a big guy, 6'4", um, stout guy. Um, and the first thing I thought of was, that feels like dad. dad would be rolling up against me. And so I was like, okay, no, 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 no. So then a few minutes later, it rolled away. And a few minutes later, it rolled back. And I was like, I was freaking out a little bit, actually. And um, so I thought, okay. So I didn't open my eyes. I didn't move. Um, and then the next thing I felt was it was like somebody was taking their hand. I was still on my side, taking my their hand and stroking the bottom the bottom part of my leg, my calf on top of the covers, just so just so gently. Hmm. And I I was thinking, do I, am I really feeling this? And so I moved my leg, and it stopped, and then it started again. And a little bit regretfully, I never opened my eyes to see if that was my father standing there doing that. I was a little scared to see my dad standing in front of me. Of course. (laughs) You know? And so the next thing that happened was I felt this huge amount of energy, and I could almost hear a swoosh go with it, go up through the ceiling of my room. And it was gone. And it was, it was amazing experience. Um, I will say that I didn't stay in my house for two nights after that. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it really was yeah, a very powerful experience. Sure. And scary, yeah, was, you know, scary. scary mm-hmm. At one hand, it's comforting. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people that have actually seen, whether you call them ghosts or apparitions or our loved ones. And no matter what I've done, I don't think I could handle seeing somebody in my room. Yeah. I, I just, I don't. So as comforting yeah. as it is that they're still around, you know, yes. there still is some discomfort there. Absolutely. So anyway, sorry I, I to interrupt. My, yeah. Oh, that's right. I know it was my father and I feel so blessed that he, he chose to come and to come and comfort mm-hmm. me. Um, I know that we, that's what he was there for. And, in my sadness, and it was it was great. I ha- I I am so grateful for that. Um, there, there's other experiences. I don't know how much time we have. Oh, or how we much have time. Hear about. Yeah, keep going. Okay, so um, my sister actually, at not probably about six months after that, I kept um, praying and asking to just hear the voices. To me, that is something yes. that you just don't think about um, missing is hearing their voice. Um, for me, anyway, I was like, I just want to hear my mom's voice. And yes. so I was hoping for that. And so one night I had a dream, and they were in my dream, and they were kind of shadows on the blinds behind my desk where I work in the dream. And I just said, I guess it had been, in the dream, I guess it had been happening a lot, and I had told myself the next time that happens, I'm going to ask if that's you know, if that's them, my mom Mm -hmm. and dad. So in the dream, I said, is that you, mom? And she said, yes, honey, I'm here. And I said, is dad with you? And and he he said, yes, I'm here too, honey. And then I woke up. And I woke up, sat up in bed, started clapping. It was the middle of the night. I started clapping my hands, bouncing up and down in the bed, so excited. Because let me just ask, was it a dream like a normal dream or was it one of those dreams that was so vivid and so real like it was really happening? So vivid like it was real and happening. Yeah. I remember it every moment of it. It was very short. 
Right. But very powerful and meaningful to me. It was so wonderful. Yeah, because um, most dreams, I think we all can agree, you know, they can be so vivid and real. And then moments after you wake up, it's like, what was what was that yes. dream? And yes, I've heard from it. other people that they're so vivid and dream and real that they they last. The memory of yes. them lasts. And that could be a yes. sign of a real visitation as opposed to just a dream yes absolutely so there you were clapping I was happy happy and oh. went back to bed and called my sisters and my brother in the morning and told them told them about it it was it was amazing um to to have that visit from them yeah um my daughter who was in third grade at the time mm-hmm. her and her cousin who was the same age they actually found dad in the driveway we were all looking for him oh. and and their car was kind of hiding him and they were playing in the backyard, and they actually found him. And so she was, uh, she was, she had a little bit of post-traumatic stress sure. from that. But she came down one day. She was upstairs in a room playing not long after they died, and she came down and said, "I saw Nana today." I and found I like, Nana. Nana's she said mom. She saw Nana. Yo, saw Nana, Nana is my mom. Yeah. And I said, "You did." She said, yep, just so nonchalantly. Kids are so great. She's like, she was just up in the corner of my room, and she had like a white cloud around her, and she was just smiling at me, and she told me she loved me, and then she was gone. Oh, how sweet. So amazing. You know, my hope is that everyone can experience this kind of thing. It just gives you so much hope and peace um, to, to know they're around and now, I haven't had any experience for a while, so I don't know if from your experience or from all the people you've talked to, if there seems to be a time limit to it, but I don't know the quickly. answer to that, because you know what? I had so many wild and crazy things happening back mm-hmm. in 2002, 2004, mm-hmm. 2003, 2005, you know, that whole mm-hmm. range, and then I it's like I, I don't. Well, I'm not also looking for them. I mean, I'm not out right. doing all kinds of right. things now. But mm-hmm. part of me thinks that we get what we get when we need it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great point. And it doesn't mean they're not still around. Right. But it takes a lot of energy, people say, for our loved ones to however they manipulate energy to show up in mm-hmm. dreams or to turn on and mm-hmm. off the light switch and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. that there's also learning to be done, whether you call it the other side or the hereafter mm-hmm. or heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it's like, if you don't right. presently need them, you're just not, you may not get a lot yeah. or, or you may, who knows? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not the expert on that, but right. Um, did mm-hmm. it help you with your grief? Um, you know, it happened, those things happened, you know, within the first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so did it help me with my grief? I think it helped me more with my grief now mm-hmm. than it did. I think it helped me then, but I think it helped me more now looking back and just realizing that they were really there with me and that... Um, that they are possibly still with me, you know, and I, I just haven't had any experiences with them that they can see the things that I'm accomplishing and see the things that my daughter is accomplishing and our family is doing together. And, um, you know, it helps me to feel like they, they can see all of this and are watching down on us. So I, I think they can, you know, you know, I, my last guest that I have on, and mm-hmm. if, if anyone's already heard this show, I'll just make this brief, but I had had a medium on, um, 
mm-hmm. couple months ago and he said after our interview he's like you know your dad's with you and he's a little mm-hmm. upset that you're not talking to him because he's, ah. he's he's been right there and it's like oh okay you know and then I just went about my business well the guy calls me a month later and he says you know, your dad's telling me you're still not talking to him. And it's like, oh, well, then it gets better. Because yesterday, I was in a car with a woman coming from a TV interview. And we were on our way to the airport. And she says, oh, I got to ask you something. She says, you know, I am psychic. And I said, yeah. She says, you know, is your dad deceased? Well, yeah. Was his name John? I said, yeah. She says, well, he wants me to say that you're still not talking to him. (laughs) I'm like, so now dad's been gone four and a half years not like I've been getting signs or anything either but Pam it's just such a reassurance that he's still around and I think um you know you know I don't I don't think I mean there's a fine line I mean there's a lot of people that are grieving that Mm want to know their loved ones are okay and then there's others Mm -hmm. that like want to talk to them every day so I don't think it's Mm -hmm. that sort of thing but just Mm -hmm. for my dad to maybe be telling me, you know, I can quiet my mind and kind of just still have a talk with him, just knowing that yeah. he's he's still around. So I think your parents are too, and they're busy yeah. doing other things. But in a yes. moment, they can be right back with yeah. you or your daughter. Yeah, um, yeah. It was my, a friend of my sister's, a good friend of the family. She had a dream one time about my dad, and she described that she described what the house kind of house he was in. And how beautiful the surroundings were. This was after they died, of course. And described what he looked like. Yeah. In the dream she had. Right. And um, my one of my sisters remembered that we had a picture of my dad that looked like that. And she described him with this beard that just went around his chin, you know, at the bottom of his face with mm-hmm. no mustache or anything. And so she was like, it's the way she's describing him looks just like this picture. So we found the picture and showed it to her. And she goes, that's exactly what he looked like in the the dream I had. And so oh, it made us great. believe that they just live uh, in a much lo- uh, younger uh, life. Yes. A younger yes. version of themselves. I've heard that a zillion times. I mean, a zillion's an exaggeration, yeah. but a lot of times. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, very interesting. Um, so I believe, I believe they are, they are around. And the ladybug, I know that uh, your guest, Virginia, had mentioned mm-hmm. a hummingbird. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. From I, that do. Interview. I do. I um, do. But the ladybug, I mentioned the ladybug earlier. And we see, like, like, for instance, we took our parents' ashes, or my dad's ashes, to Iowa to sprinkle on his parents' grave. And we had said, it, wouldn't it be cool if we saw a ladybug? And sure enough, a few minutes later, a ladybug landed on my niece's arm. And so they show up all the time. Oh, Ladybugs, are, they show up all the time now. And we know that that's our mom. That's so we feel like it's our mom sweet. checking on us. There's a woman with the name of Christine Duminiak. And she's mm-hmm. got a couple books out and has been on TV and lots of interviews. Heaven Talks to Children is one of her things. Mm-hmm. But she talks a lot about the signs we get and communicating mm-hmm. with our, our loved ones. And she says... Um, prayer is necessary to mm-hmm. connect um but then she says you know ask for a specific sign and and whether it's um a favorite song or a ladybug or a butterfly or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. when there's something specific or leaving a penny or a nickel or a dime or something mm-hmm. when there's something specific it becomes easier for that person to be able to like manifest that so it sounds like in because mm-hmm. and she has got tons of stories on you know um penny wasn't enough so it was a dime and just these really great stories 
and there's even a lot with the butterflies and you heard Virginia Hummel with the hummingbird mm -hmm. um but your thing with your mom is ladybug, ladybug is what it sounds like to me yes um and I don't know if I spoke that into existence that day that they you know her yeah. funeral and the day my dad died in the suburban that day but they're definitely you know we definitely see them at that times when we you know really really need to see yeah see them. Pam and do you think great. something happened to kind of lift the cloud of grief finally after the 10 years or do you think it was just a like naturally your body's like okay enough mm -hmm. no something happened um you know the something I didn't tell you earlier but the 10 years you know I gained the 70 pounds mm -hmm. and I really had been using food for even though I didn't really gain any more weight I maintained that weight and you mm -hmm. have to eat to maintain that weight yes I gain. Know that. and mm -hmm. so I was using food to try to heal my grief to try to fill that hole inside of me um, that was so huge and uh, too big to deal with and too big to ignore and my my heartache and um, longing to just you know I, I absolutely miss my father but my mom yes. and I talked every day yes. and I, just long, I still long for, to talk to her yeah I got um, it I have that relationship with my mom now I, I get yes. it I, I can't um, even imagine not having that yes so actually what happened was last summer a friend of mine realized she was an alcoholic and mm -hmm. had started going to AA meetings and she kept asking me to come not because I had a drinking problem but just to support her right so I went, and I think everybody should go to at least one AA meeting, the most non-judgmental, supportive place I've ever been, and I was just spectator. Right. <laughs> um, so I was actually shocked by my experience there because I was really trying to have to choke down all this emotion that was trying to come up. Mm -hmm. And when I left, my friend and I got in my car, and I had a complete meltdown realizing that I had a problem with food. Mm -hmm. And so I felt led to start writing. And I started writing, and um, it was very cathartic for me and really is what uh, instigated the release of the grief. And I put it in a blog, and I started writing in October, and I didn't release the blog till February of this year. Wow. And I, I think I had like... 20,000 words written by the time I released it in different blog posts. Uh -huh. And so I released it and was honest about my secret because no, people didn't really know that I was using food. I mean, obviously I was still overweight, but they didn't realize why. Right. And I'm a private person when it comes to that. I think secrets are private. Yeah. <laughs> um, secrets are private. So I, I told my truth instead of keeping it a secret. And honestly, I haven't written a word on that blog since because it was instant healing by releasing my secret and being honest about I've been in a pit of grief for 10 years and I was using food and now I'm not using food and I am free. Um, Incredible. So that's what happened to me. And that might not happen for everybody. It may not be writing for everybody. And that's also when I started volunteering in the nursing, nursing home. home. My mother had a heart for the oh, elderly. That's yeah. where she spent her years as a nurse, director of nurses and nursing homes. She was an advocate for them. She wasn't just an employee there. She was an advocate for the, for the patients there. And I have that same heart. And so I started working there, serving there, you know, volunteering there, and specifically in the memory care. 
because my father was at the beginning stages of Alzheimer's when he passed. He hadn't been diagnosed, but my mom knew what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now I see the blessings. Thank, Thank you, Lord, that my dad does not have to go through Alzheimer's. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through Alzheimer's with him and see him in that place of um, losing, literally losing his mind. Oh, it's tough. It's very tough. And so um, that's also when I started volunteering there. And it's not for everybody, but it's for me. And so finding that outlet um, reminds me of the blessing of him being taken when he was taken and honoring my mother's memory and then the writing and, and telling my secrets. Those those two things are what released me from my pit of grief. You know, it's interesting. I um, I created an audio called How to Survive Grief. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to hear it, if you go to this ra- the radio st- uh, show website, wedontdieradio.com, I have what's called the Insiders Club, and I don't tell mm-hmm. anybody really what's inside. Um, but in there is you can press play and listen to the How to Survive Grief audio. But mm-hmm. two of the techniques that I wrote about, and it, what's just hitting me is what you're talking about is a, like a living demonstration that it actually works is one volunteering and mm-hmm. whether you call it volunteering or doing something to make a difference for another, even if it's helping a next door neighbor with something or anytime you get the focus off you and onto other people, mm-hmm. it, it allows kind of a something in our brain for some healing mm-hmm. process to take place. And then the other thing, which it just like makes sense. And like you and I have both dealt with the food issue. Me, mm-hmm. I continue to, but mm-hmm. I do too some. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do some. yeah. But mm-hmm. what you're saying, it just kind of hit me that one of the things I recommend people do is to have a journal and journal. I mean, like mm-hmm. write, meaning the thoughts that are on your mind, mm-hmm. put them on paper. Nobody ever has to yeah. read it or put it in right. your computer. But just when you get it out of your head and onto something, somehow it releases it. And it seems like, and I'm just looking at my own personal struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, I often eat because of the things in my head. And what a great thing that would be to try for any of us is to just journal it, to write it down. You know, and it could be nonsense coming out. It could be big stuff. But yeah. I, I'm willing, I, you know, I want to try that to see because it also helps through grief. But I think it might help us in a lot of other ways like it did with you. That's yeah. awesome. And- you know, through this, I and it also, you know, when your fog clears, you know, I realized um, I actually slipped a little bit, and I think this is normal because I do call it an addiction that I had to food. Um, I think it's normal to slip a little bit um, when you start to get out of that addiction. Um, I've read that it's normal to have a little um, a relapse, I guess they mm-hmm. call it. And so I had about a two and a half, a day and a half of relapse of going back to my old junk. Oh, that's nothing. And, uh, <laughs> well, it was interesting. Thank you for saying that. So I'll con- consider that a good thing. And, yes. But it was interesting because I was able to see what I was doing because the fog lifted. But it was a very emotional experience for me because I thought, wow, my fog is lifted. And now... I was like I was like hovering above myself, watching myself do what I was doing, and I was like, I lived that way for ten years and didn't even blink yeah, an eye. Right. And now I'm able to see it and and stop it and um and I always tell people, you know, I've learned to walk through my feelings instead of stuffing my feelings in every part of my life. Yeah, which is hard to do. Um, oh my gosh. Very, very hard. And and the fog is part a normal part of grief. I mean, I. 
our brain chemistry changes when we grieve. I mean, there's so many people don't remember, you know, uh, the day, you know, you say when your, your folks had, when the funeral happened and stuff, we actually lose some healthy neurotransmitters in our system that we can't remember and it, it messes with our communication center, our memory, our mm-hmm. perception. And so that's mm-hmm. that fog is what you're describing. It's all very real. And then once our system becomes normalized again, that comes back and you you did some really good things to help you through. But what I want to tie in now, if you don't yes. mind, mm-hmm. is because I think there's a big link between you helping people get successful in the sales business mm-hmm. And teaching sales training and um, and going for results. And somehow mm-hmm. I have the sneaky suspicion you're going to, you are, or you're figuring out how to tie this into living life. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, I am actually in the middle or 75% through a rebranding because of my experience over the last year since this wow. shift started happening. And um, so um, very passionate about people understanding, number one, that they can find their purpose to their pain, whether that be grief or divorce or whatever that is. Um, and so helping people realize what their purpose is and getting clear on how they can monetize it, and that's okay to monetize it, um, if that makes sense. Um, it, it does, and it and it doesn't, you know, because I think... Um, it's weird. It, it, it is it, weird. It uh-huh. is weird because, like, if we use me for an example, my pain mm-hmm. is dad died, right? Yes. Awful. But out of it came my search for what it's all about, life yes. after death, grief. And then, and so now I have, I'm not only helping people, but technically, yeah, it is a business, right? It is. It is a business. And um, I am 47 years old. Hey, I'm never would I, <laughs> Yes. So, never would I ever have thought mm-hmm. When my parents died, that 10 years later, writing, I'm in the middle of writing a book. I have several others that I want to do. Never did I ever think that writing would be a part of my purpose. And I wouldn't discover that until I'm 47 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can keep, you know, you know, try to come out of that fog and see what, what, what that looks like, um, you know, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. helping people find that purpose and, and having clarity on that. And part of that is promotional products and marketing that um, that purpose. It's also um, sales coaching and some purpose coaching for that purpose. And then being inspired, inspiring others through that purpose. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, part of me felt like, you know, I've got to downplay the book. I can't make money off it. But it's just like... Mm-mm. We need, and it, it's not really about making money. It's about paying right. the bills and paying the mortgage and following our passion. Everybody says you're successful when you follow what you love. Yes. And, you know, I've somebody once said, you know, if you don't want to make money for you, that's fine. There's a lot of pain and suffering and starvation in the world. Do it for yes. them and give it away. You know, so mm-hmm. they're really, you know, it's not, it's not like a selfish thing, but out of right. finding and tapping into what you're, your purposes in life really can come your passion and then yes. your business and, and your power yes. and in your income. So what? Yes. Right? Yes. Um, you know, an example I gave to somebody the other day, and, and this isn't necessarily supportive or not supportive mm-hmm. of this organization, but a, a great example of that is Nancy Brinker, who started the Susan G. Komen Foundation. I mean, her sister died of breast cancer. Oh, yeah. She was in pain. 
and now she, you know, her career is um, supporting breast cancer. And so, right. you know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge example of what that could look and like. And nothing wrong with that at all. Right. You need money to say sustain your message and to mm-hmm. keep things going. That's awesome. So um, I found something that you wrote on one of your blogs. Ah. <laughs> I was investigating. Well, it was right on uh-huh. the, the, the last one you had posted. And it says, I believe you have to say your goals, desires, etc. out loud and with mm-hmm. confidence. Mm-hmm. And then you put in parentheses, say it like you mean it, baby, yes. to help manifest them in your life. Can yes. you relate that a little bit just for some, for all of us, actually, who may mm-hmm. not ever get to be part of your coaching or read your book when it comes out? Yes. Like a difference yes. that... You know, there's a lot of things I want and want to do and like how, maybe give us an action step that we can take today that would make a difference. Okay, great. So let's say I'm going to use myself as an example. One of my, uh, I call it an audacious goal, is to be on the stage at a Women of Faith Faith conference. And and people may not know what that is, but it's a huge, it is a Christian-based conference, but it's huge. It travels all across the country. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big, huge conference, and I want to speak at that conference. And so that is, that is, that's a goal, and everyone should have one or two audacious goals, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that is written, got to be written. Of course, that is on my, um, I call it a see-it board, but you have to say it. So I, I could be in my car, and I could just, I just start saying, thank you so much, Women of Faith, for hiring me to speak at your event. Thank you, Women of Faith, for the $10,000 check for speaking at your event. Thank you, Women of Faith, for um, advertising that I'm going to be at your conference. And, you know, some people think I'm crazy for that, but I'm going to tell you it works. It helped me get best speech for my first speech at Toastmasters. It helped me get um, a $5,000 client one one month. It, I mean, it works. Um, it works. You have to. It's it's a trifecta of goal achievement, in my opinion. So you're saying so, write it, see it, like so you post things up around you, maybe yes. the words, vision board, like, and then you're saying say it out loud, like say it's it. already happened. Like it's so yes, like it is so. Like yeah. it is so. Um, that is something that people miss is the say it, in my opinion, and I think they also miss that your. You know, a lot of people have vision boards, and they have all these great quotes. And oh, maybe right. Some, great you know, pictures. Have, Christ, uh, have scriptures or whatever. Uh-huh. But your, really, your vision boards should tie, should um, mirror your written goals. So you should have visions on your vision board that match up to your written goals. Not just, you can have sayings and stuff too, but, but you should have that, that on, your, on your vision board. It, they all, it all needs to align. Some so people that, don't know what vision boards are, and we only have about five minutes left, so yeah. I want to just, just so, because I, I can see now, and it's funny, everything I'm up to, I really didn't mm-hmm. have written out what my goals are, or where I see myself mm-hmm. in the big picture. I have like a imprint of it in my mind, yeah, but, but yeah, but no wonder I'm not taking faster action, because I really don't have it spelled out. I have no vision board, which you're going to explain what mm-hmm. that is, and mm-hmm. and no way have I been saying it out loud like it's it's already so. Yeah. I incur- and I'm happy to talk to you some other. We can set up a yeah. time to talk about that further. Sure. Happy to do that for you, <laughs> um, But um, so a vi- see it board, vision board is mm-hmm. so for let's say I'll use the women of faith example. 
So I have a, a picture of women, the logo of Women of Faith on my, my seat board, and I also did a mock check made out to me. Women of Faith is the, the issuer, and it's for the amount I want them to pay me to speak at their event. Love it. So that is on my, my seat board. So that ties into my written audacious goal that I want to speak for Women of Faith. And you could have, a, you know, you, if you have a graphic designer, they could superimpose you on the stage and have women of faith <laughs> banner in the background yep. if you wanted to do that, whatever. Um, but yes, that all needs to tie together. It, and it's proven that that sets your brain, the intention in your mind and your brain, um, that that is something you want to achieve. And looking at it and saying those things on a regular basis, um, not just doing it once, but on a regular basis, um, you'll be amazed. How regular is a regular basis? Uh, twice a day would be great. Okay. My vision board is on the wall in my office, so I see it all day. Okay. Um, and, um, you Good. know, people that do Advice. the minimum of just writing their goals, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the exact percentage, but they make like 10, 15% more than people that don't write them down. It's some crazy percentage. Oh, I think it's actually more than that. I, I think, think it is more than that. I think there's a huge amount of people that actually have a chance of achieving their goals once they write it down. But if yeah. you're writing it, you're seeing it and saying it out loud, mm-hmm. like it's already happened. And I always like yeah. to throw in a little gratitude. I mean, yes. I think gratitude, um, somebody, I think it was Louise Hay that I heard say, um, she had everybody picture a little kid at Christmas time and you open a present and you don't say thank you. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, you don't really mm-hmm. care about the present. Well, it's, you know, who really wants to give anything to that kid ever again? Right. And so she was comparing it to gratitude. The more grateful for what we have, yes. the more we'll get. So the more that little kid's just like, thank you, Aunt Pam. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you, yes. love you, love you. You know, the more you're going to want to give. So it's it was just a funny, Absolutely. but it hit me. You know, add some gratitude yes. in. And, yes. you know, I've had some freaky wonderful things show up in my life doing that and um mm-hmm. but the the key is to make it a practice which i yes. haven't done so do it make on it a regular happen. basis well pam can you just look inside that beautiful brain of yours and your beautiful woman and Thank for you. people that want to check her out if you go to we don't die radio.com there's a picture of beautiful pam russell there Thank um you. and just look inside is there anything else we have just a couple minutes left that maybe you just have a burning desire to say or you might have forgotten to say or just somebody who might be in that 10-year grieving process that just mm-hmm. might be a little bit of hope yeah you know first of all I would encourage them to understand that grief is a unique process for everybody. And um, as long as you're being somewhat healthy through that process, you really, there's no time limit, really. I think um, the loss is really going to always be there. So I would say um, give yourself a break if, if you feel pressure um, that from other people in your life to come on, get out of it. Give yourself a break. Uh, let, uh, let the process happen. And I wouldn't change anything about my 10 years. Um, right. And so let the process happen and pay attention to possible experiences that you might be discounting or saying didn't really happen. Pay attention. And because it, something could be happening around you, like happened to me and maybe have, you know, that have happened to your other guests that are, is your loved one trying to, to show you a sign or communicate with you in some form or fashion that will give you some peace. So pay attention 
and um, cut yourself some slack and and walk through the grieving process. Try not to stuff it and walk through it. Yeah, and don't make yourself wrong for it wherever yes, you are. I love that phrase. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just and just love yourself no matter love what. Love yourself. Yeah, and Pam, how can we keep in touch with you, find out and keep track of when the book comes out? So you have a website you can share? Yes, it is pam-russell, two S's, two L's, dot com. And that will be redirected to my new one once it launches at the end of December. But that is where you can find me. And my email address is there. I would love to hear from anybody that has any thoughts or questions or anything, they're welcome to email me. That's great. And I thank you. And it's really exciting to see how you've used your business, what you've been doing in the past, and you've added it in. And now mm-hmm. um, I love it. Say your thank goals, you. desires out loud and with confidence. Like you mean it, baby. Like you mean it, baby. <laughs> That's right. Write it, see it, and say it out loud. Pam yeah. Russell, you've been a delight. Really phenomenal. And to our listener today, I know there's things you could have been doing with this hour or (laughs) you might be out for a walk or in your car or wherever it is that you are and you've made this a priority to listen. I thank you. Pam thanks you. And we we really do hope that it's made a difference. She certainly has brought a smile to my face. And I thank you for tuning into these episodes. And just a reminder, when you go to we don't die radio dot com, you can see all the past episodes. If you're an iTunes user, you can certainly click on one of the guests' names and be brought to there. And if you really love the show, you know what I'm going to ask you now is if you sign into iTunes and you can leave a rating. It does make a difference when people say, great show, Um, more people will see it. So this is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I believe that life is an education for our souls and that your life here on earth is important. So like Pam said, write it, see it, and say it out loud. I thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. 